1: Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined once again by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir?
2: Like James Milner, 7 out of 10.
1: So, I you already. Four, four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a while. <laughs> Has anything happened in the last 30 seconds? Um, we are here today to answer the question that we received from YNWA Foodie. I'm not sure if you've done a podcast on potential sporting directors, but it would be great to hear your Thoughts on the top five candidates. So we have taken some names. Uh I have seven. Carl has an undefined number. Uh these are not seven that I think are realistic, these are just the seven that I would want. Um so Carl, I'm gonna throw you the first name and we have just discussed him before we went live. Cap in hand on bended knee to Michael Edwards. Please come back.
2: Would you like me to present you with his answer?
1: Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Michael Edwards did this job from November 4th, 2016 until the 30th of June last year and was absolutely vital in building the team that would go on to conquer Europe, to win the Premier League. He'd previously been the technical director and doing the same job, just under a different title. Uh, before that, he was head of methodology at Liverpool for two years, which is very much a made-up title that FSG thought sounded clever. And before that, he was the chief analyst for two years, having joined from Spurs, who he had joined uh, from Portsmouth. He is brilliant at his job. And I don't think we could actually do better than bringing him back. But we obviously don't know the full extent of why he left. Uh, he's obviously having a kind of a sabbatical year. He's been linked to Chelsea. He's been linked to United. He doesn't seem to be overly keen on either of those jobs. There's been some suggestions that his next, next job might not even be in football, that he might go and look to do something in a different sport. But, I mean, surely, surely that conversation has to have taken place at least internally, should we ask Michael back? Surely somebody has brought that up.
2: I'd be stunned if that hasn't been the case. You know, At the very least, like you say, informally, throwing names around, when Julian Ward obviously let people know, you start to say, OK, who's available? I'm sure they would have said, shall we have a word? Or have anybody had a word? Or you know, is it something that people at the club internally do want? It at least would have been the immediate go-to thought and... Probably worth asking him, but I wouldn't expect this to happen at all.
1: I wouldn't either. But what I will say is that Theo Epstein was FSG's Michael Edwards with the Red Sox. And he once left and they tempted him back. Now, there was a a much smaller gap. I think he was only actually out of office for a matter of weeks. But they do have a little bit of history about going back to the well with people that they that they are familiar with and it's not just Epstein they've done it with other people there as well but I do I, I do feel like it's at least worth kicking the tires on because he is great at his job so we'll say that one's unlikely I'm going to give you another one and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say outright this is almost impossible. But if, if I could pick anybody, including Edwards, if I could pick anybody to come in and take this job on, it would only be short term because he is now 65. But Beppe Maratta for me is, is the best in the business. He built that Juventus team that had that unbelievable run, handed it over to Paratici and Paratici ruined it all in a couple of years. He's since gone to Inter. And he built a great team there quite quickly, and then the financial problems of the ownership kind of torpedoed everything on him. He's contracted till 2025, but given Inter are still in a bit of a financial mess, I wonder if he could be tempted away. I imagine it's very unlikely. I don't think he'd ever leave um leave Italy, even if he left Inter. He's worked for Sampdoria. He's worked for Atalanta. He was a CEO before he became a director of football. Uh, Venetia, Ravina, Como, Monza, Varese. He's been in the game since 1978 when he started out as a scout. He is a genius when it comes to squad building, squad management. He's also quite a dominant personality, which I think Klopp might need. I think Jürgen might need like a, a stern, guiding hand. But I don't think it's likely, but I thought I had to throw his name in because I think the guy's unbelievably good at what he does.
2: Uh, yeah, no question in his, his track record. I think it's probably one which, as much as his not wanting to leave, might well be like a, a, a culture clash as much as anything else, I suppose. Very different way of working within Premier League clubs to within. Yeah. Um, uh at our clubs also his scope has been a little bit wider than we've probably had our sporting directors doing over the last couple of years as well yeah um, so maybe that would be an issue as well in terms of which other responsibilities
1: he has but yeah with you great but unlikely and he does have a a history of working with a firebrand manager because he obviously he was able to keep a handle on Conte for three years and there were there were no blow-ups no public blow-ups at least when Conte was at Juve, um, largely because of because Murata wouldn't allow it. So, you know, Jürgen can be quite feisty and fiery and behind the scenes apparently is quite spiky, according to an article by Simon Hughes. Um, so, you know, Maratta might personality-wise be able to work quite well with Jürgen. But, uh, yeah, very, very unlikely. So those are the unlikely ones off the board. I now have a list of five. How many do you have?
2: Um four more or less plus two who I definitely don't want. Okay well give me the two you don't want first. Okay Um, I don't think either of them are actually currently in a job which sort of underlines the reasons of why I don't want them Um, but held very very high profile ones for a bit Uh, First of all is Leonardo formerly of PSG most recently but previous clubs as well
1: I think he's dreadful I genuinely think he's dreadful. Yeah I wouldn't want him either
2: and the second one is the former Barcelona and, as far as I'm aware, only Barcelona sporting director, Eric Abidal, who I personally think presided over the worst run of transfers that club has ever had.
1: Yeah, no, if I, if I, as a Liverpool fan, was picking a sporting director for, let's just say, Manchester United or Everton or Chelsea or a club I just didn't like, Eric Abidal would be very high on the list uh, because you know that as soon as he gets in the door... All hell is going to break loose. He's going to spend lots of money on absolute garbage. And when any player approaches him and says, I think I want a new contract, he'll just say, Oh, absolutely. How much do you want? Here, fill it out yourself. Yes. yes. No, he, he, was, is, he was, He's fucking dreadful.
2: He was dismal. That was uh, particularly atrocious.
1: Right. I would imagine... My five and your four, I would say we've probably got at least one name that overlaps. So, I'm going to start with Paul Mitchell. Mm, Top of my list. Okay, so Paul Mitchell's currently the sporting director of Monaco. Uh, He's also a board member at Monaco, which is an interesting little wrinkle. Um, Previously, he was the technical director for Red New York Red Bulls and Red Bull Bragantino. He was very highly thought of in the Red Bull.
0: Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters,
1: circle and uh, he spent two years before that as the head of scouting for RB Leipzig before that he was head of youth scouting at Spurs but was heavily involved in first team recruitment as well before that he was head of scouting at Southampton and he began as the head of youth scouting at MK Dons he is the player who discovered Delhi Ali before anybody else and is known for having a very, very good eye for talent. Now, he also is known for falling out with people because he is quite a forceful personality and he he feels like his way of working should be adhered to and he doesn't like it at all when he feels like he's not getting the full support that he feels he deserves, which I think is only fair. He has a very good track record. Of talent identification um I think he would have to be very, very high on the list, and there have been some rumors that he has spoken to Liverpool, whether there's any truth to that or not i don't know, but yeah, I think he would have to be very high on the list,
2: yeah, I mean, I would be surprised if we haven't been in touch with him one way or another for about ten years to be perfectly honest, given hes you know he was at Southampton for quite a while and Spurs for quite a while and people who were working with and around them at both of those clubs have gone on to join Liverpool or worked for the uh, companies who Liverpool have outsourced some of the statistical work to and so on. Um, He's obviously much more of the recruitment style of, let's say, I suppose, early era Ralph Ranick, in terms of he wants that set up exactly as he wants it. He wants his, his people involved, in it, particularly as they want it, and obviously has had similar sort of career path with the, the RB group, let's say, as well. Um, I, I think that when you appoint somebody like him, it is very much for the longer term. I also think that maybe he is used to and enjoys working with a club one level down from where we are now. Basically, he would be the one who we could have appointed when we got Michael Edwards. I think uh, that's the only question mark. I think I would have over his talents. It's it's very very often about finding the players who can be developed a lot to be sold for a lot to develop two or three teams over a period of maybe five six years rather than going straight into finding the club and the teams and the players who are going to win the title straight off.
1: Yeah, I think that's very fair, but. I think that does also play well with the idea of FSG. Assuming these owners stay, I do think it plays well with their kind of mandate of buying low and potentially selling high. I think one thing he could do quite well with us is not just buy players for us to to use, but also players just for us to develop and sell on. More Solanke types that we buy low develop for a year, 18 months, and sell at a good profit. Um, He's got a very, very good network of scouts, both for senior players and for youth players. And we've seen Liverpool, you know, with with a strong focus on youth recruitment in recent years. Ben Doa, Carvey Elliott, Kate Gordon, Fabio Carvalho, Stefan Basetic. Those type of players, I think he would be very, very good at finding as well. If you look at some of the players he's brought into Monaco, uh, Chouameni. Signed for Buttons. Sold for £70 million. Yusuf Fafana. Oh, these are players that would suit very well in this current Liverpool team. Axel De Sisi. Another good player. Crepin Diate. He was the one that brought in Florentino Luis. Not on him that it didn't work out all that well. Uh, Ishmael Jacobs the player I like. Vanderson Looks a really good young right back. They They nicked him from under the nose of Brentford and by general rule, if Brentford or Brighton are heavily in for a player, you should probably be in as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's. I think uh, Mohamed Kamara brought in last summer, a uh, really good player. So he's obviously got a good eye for midfielders. You look at some of the midfielders he helped bring in to Southampton and to Spurs and to Leipzig. He's got a really good track record at, at identifying midfielders, especially powerful, dynamic midfielders, which is what we lack. So... Yeah, it would definitely be a step up for him. He would be moving from sort of a, a second tier budgetary stance to, well, slightly above second tier, but not quite top tier. But top tier expectation. And he's only 41 is the other thing to consider here. Like he's He is a young man. He's from Manchester, so he could live in Manchester while working for Liverpool. A, a lot of our players live in the Manchester area. So, you know, it would bring him close to home, which I would imagine would be an appeal for him. But for him to have 10 solid years working for clubs that, when he was at Southampton, they were great at recruitment. When he was at Spurs, they were pretty good. And obviously the, the Red Bull circle are great at recruitment. He's worked in positive environments before. I definitely think he's one that needs to be strongly considered. Yeah, obviously the big
2: downsides to that is he does tend to tie himself to a big project if they believe in him and if they give him that support he doesn't want to move away from that you know two three years hopping around places mm. and he does have a long long term deal in place with uh, monaco obviously as well
1: yeah so it could be it could be a costly one to get him out of that especially now the fact he's on a, on the board as well probably means that um it would be even more difficult maybe to, to lift him and and maybe would mean that coming to Liverpool, he would want Edwards' level of control rather than accepting what Julian Ward got. And maybe that causes a conflict with Jürgen. But yeah, definitely one to consider. Who's who's next on your list then?
2: Um, a man who would need a conversation first, but doesn't cost anything to get him. So this guy is retired, but... Feeding into what we've already spoken about in terms of Klopp behind the scenes and somebody to work with who you know will be on the same wavelength as him, I would like to see Liverpool consider and explore the possibility of Michael Zork. Uh, He's
1: on my list as well. Okay,
2: fine. So at Borussia Dortmund, obviously, for a long, 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 long time, up until the yeah. season, and where we did, obviously, a handover between Ward and Edwards. They did a handover between Zork and... Completely Oh, Sebastian Kell. Went out of my head. Yeah. So Kell is their sporting director now and Zork basically retired. So only fifty nine though. He's not exactly, you know, an old timer who's out with a picture or anything like that. Um, very, very good at conducting deals and getting signings who are of a level to fight for honours, obviously. We know where Dortmund have been for over a decade now. And obviously very good as well at him and his team exploring the players who can be worth an awful lot more. We all know about all the many players that uh, Dortmund both brought in and sold for big money and also brought in, played a lot and lost for free to buy Munich. Same sort of thing. Yes.
1: Uh, An incredible record of recruitment at Dortmund, 24 years between director of football and sporting director. Um, Not just a great record as a player recruiter, but also as a managerial recruiter. It was him who appointed Matthias Zammer it was him who appointed Jürgen Klopp, it was him who appointed Thomas Tuchel. Uh, there were some misses in there along the way, obviously, as well, but three big successes, Klopp obviously being the, the biggest of those successes, and, and Klopp at the time was seen as quite a big gamble because, obviously, Mainz had been relegated. Um, Michael Zork is absolutely worth consideration and is probably A, the easiest to get because he's not working for somebody right now, and B, the one you can be guaranteed gets on well with Jurgen Klopp. They have a very, very strong relationship. They know how to work together. They've got a a pre-existing dynamic. I know it's been a long time since they were working together. But yeah, Michael Michael Zork, track record, personality, history, talent identification, negotiation ability. I mean, he ticks, he ticks pretty much every box. You look at some of the players he brought to Dortmund. I mean, you know, he found Lewandowski. He found, um, what was the Japanese fellow's name? Kagawa? Kagawa, shouldn't Kagawa. He, he found him. You know, he was the one that convinced many, many players to turn down. He, he found Matt Hummels. He convinced many players to turn down other clubs to go there. He convinced Jude Bellingham to make that move, Jaden Sancho to make that move, Erling Haaland to make that move, and on and on and on. He's the one that found Alexander Isak originally. That found him. I mean, people knew of him, but he's the one that went and got him and brought him in. He, he is about as perfect as it gets. And like you said, I mean, he's a bit older, but he's not some fossil. And... Even if you said to him, look, Jurgen's here till twenty twenty six, sign with us till twenty twenty six. And the two of you can work side by side for three years. And if you both want to extend, great. If you don't want to extend and Jurgen does, fair enough. If Jurgen doesn't and you do, great. But yeah, I don't think we could do much better than Michael Zork. I, I think he is I think he is close to perfect. I think Klopp would be very accepting of him as well, which is another factor you have to consider. You, Jürgen's going to be involved in this process. Now, I I don't think that's the way it should be done. I don't think the manager should pick the sporting director. I think it should be the other way around, but Jürgen is going to be involved in this process and I think I think Zork is an, an easy yes for Jürgen. I think also if you're looking at somebody like um,
2: Mitchell for maybe a little bit down the line, you could even say to Zork look, this will just be a two three year thing if you want it to be and then we can you know make plans for further down the line but we need now
1: a bit of stability in that role exactly you can say to look part of your mandate part of your mandate here is going to be finding your own successor identifying the person to take over from you and training them to take over from you have them you don't have to do much just have them shadow you you know build out because there's going to be a few other roles that need to be replaced as well, remember? Ian Graham and that's going too. So build out the recruitment staff and start identifying who you think your potentials to replace you. If you only want to commit for three years and that's going to be it and you're going to retire fully after that, perfect. But, you know, even if you wanted to stay at the club after that in a different role, we can make that work too. Because by all accounts, um, Dortmund would, would have liked him to stay, but he wanted to take a break. Hello. So yeah, I, I think, I think Michael Zorka absolutely has to be there. Uh, let's go next. I will go with Christoph Freund, the sporting director of Red Bull Salzburg. He has only worked for Salzburg. He was the team manager, which is a very German job for six years, which I know it's a Swiss or an Austrian club, but it's a, it's a German thing to have a, a team manager who kind of, I suppose, the coordinator, looks after, you know, arranging things for the team and make sure everything runs smoothly. Um, then he was sports coordinator for three years. He's been sporting director now. This is his eighth season. And I mean, his his recruitment record speaks for itself. This guy has maybe the best eye for talent of anybody in Europe. This, this guy is phenomenally good at identifying young players, getting them in early, overseeing the development, and then selling them at... Ludicrous
2: profits. Yes, uh, all agreed, and all very well documented, to be perfectly honest. And one of the ones that Chelsea wanted, obviously, as well, once um, Todd Burley took over. Uh, as I remember, off the top of my head, he had said that he wanted to stay at Salzburg, uh, and that you know he was very, very happy to, to continue there and has a contract through, I'm not sure if it's 25, something like that. 25? 26. 26, okay, fine. So again, I think there's work to be done there. And, you know, the fact that he said, this is the best place for me or whatever, There's that's not binding, obviously. There, there simply could have been a better project he's waiting for or a different type of team. He didn't like the, the remit, which was on offer at Stanford Bridge, anything like that. So always, always got to be. I, I think, honestly, this is probably one of the, biggest appointments Liverpool have made well in fact it's the biggest appointment Liverpool have made since Jürgen Klopp was appointed as head coach and as such everything has to be explored I don't think you can go into this with a list of three and whichever one says yes sort of thing I think you, you mm. have cast your net very very far and wide here to the extent of probably not just people who are in this job already elsewhere and obviously we're not going to be able to name you know people who are let's say project managers or data analysts or things like that elsewhere or in other industries, but there's nothing to specifically say they might not make a good sideways move into into being a sporting director, for example. So I do think it's all bases have to be covered. And within football, Freund has got to be what, top ten who anybody might go for, not just a club yeah. like Liverpool for, you know, oh, future man. and growth and everything else, but yeah, wide scale, good track record, able to work with very specific, uh stringent not not rules within the club, let's say, but with a, a very clear culture of the type of signing that they tried to bring in. So I think, yeah, definitely another one would be on the list.
1: Yeah, 45 years of age. So you, if, if he was willing to come in, he could be somebody with a long runway ahead of him. Um, <clears throat> I do wonder if he sort of took a look at how Chelsea were operating And decided it was just too scattergun of an approach for him. And, you know, maybe he met Boley and just thought this guy is a buffoon. Whereas, you know, and also you had the situation where at the time when Chelsea approached him, Thomas Tuchel was manager. Thomas Tuchel is known to be quite difficult to deal with for sporting directors. So that could be, like, these guys all talk to each other and pay attention to what's going on with their clubs. So, they know which managers are good to work with and which managers are not good to work with. And I wouldn't imagine Thomas Tuchel is always the easiest to work with. Do you think think there's a good um,
2: reputation, let's say, among those same circles and conversations?
1: Honestly, I I don't know. I don't think he will. prior, prior, Prior to Liverpool, I think he probably did because he'd only worked with Zork and the... Chap whose name has escaped me at mines, both of whom are very highly respected. Friedel, Christoph Friedel, is that his name? He only really worked with those two, and both of them spoke glowingly about Jurgen, obviously. But at Liverpool, like I do wonder if it's changed a little bit. Now I'm just speculating here, but the fact that Edwards left and then Ward, who'd been waiting for a long time for this opportunity. Leaves after six months. Or resigns after six months. That doesn't speak well to Jürgen. Now it could have nothing to do with Jürgen. But from the outside looking in. If you're another sporting director. You'd be like well hang on. Why has Michael Edwards left? And why is Julian Ward leaving? Like what's the actual thing here? Unless you've got a personal relationship with them. And even then they might not tell you. What the reasons were. So. I mean, I, I'm not buying that both of them decided to leave within a year to spend time with their families. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not. There's no way Julian Ward 12 months ago was like, yes, absolutely brilliant, you know, and, and didn't have a chat with his family then about what it was going to entail. Um, so I don't know. I I, I think Jürgen's record, Jürgen's reputation might be a little bit damaged, even just by association, because those two have resigned in 12 months.
2: Fair enough. oh we go. I, like
1: the, I read that Simon Hughes piece, and it 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 did kind of hint at Jurgen having a bit of a a difficult relationship with certain people in certain departments because he's quite he can be quite emotional with how he reacts to things. So again, I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. I hope he's got a good reputation in those inner circles because I, I would hate to think that's going to shoot like um, scupper our plans to point somebody very good into this role. But our failure was last year. I mean, we knew Edwards was leaving eight months before he left. And we just appointed Ward. There was no recruitment process followed. There was no external recruitment done at all. We didn't interview. We didn't do anything. We just appointed the guy who was there. Um, so, you know, may- maybe maybe, maybe Ward just wasn't up to it. Maybe he knew himself he wasn't up to. it. Maybe it was too big a job for him. Who knows? And Edwards had done it for eight years, so maybe he just, or six years, maybe he just wanted a break. But who knows? Uh, let's move on. Who's your next one?
2: My next one is Cristiano Giuntoli. <laughs> He's on my list. Is as well? As well? Very good. Um, Napoli's sporting director, basically. Now, yeah. I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not 100% sure that he has entire remit at Napoli for recruitment. I think there are quite a few other people who are involved there, and obviously we all know say, the mouthpiece of them all, who is at the head of the club, often gets himself involved. But in terms of um, the and Network, the initial recruitment approaches, the decision making over where to cast the net exactly, yes, Gentoli is, is very, very high on the list there. Um, two interesting things. One, that he is out of contract the summer after next. Uh, obviously that's not the most prohibitive one that we've spoken about and secondly that Juventus apparently are interested in doing the exact same thing and taking him.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, I I genuinely think Napoli's recruitment this past summer might be the best summer of recruitment anyone has done in in a decade, maybe longer, like it is outrageous what he what he managed to do considering they had a lot of senior players leaving and many of them leaving for free. And they've been able to not just replace those players, but massively upgrade. I mean, Kavicha for 10 million, you can basically sign your own destiny with that. That's that's a once-off kind of get. He's hes a 100 million player now. What will he be in two years if he continues to develop the way he is? He he brought Osman awesome to the club. Um, he's done a, a great job there. Like you said, there are others who have a lot of input, but he is the the head of the recruitment department anyway. Um, he, he He would absolutely be on the list. 50 years of age, he's done really well at a club that I would imagine Napoli is a very difficult club to work for because of who the president is and because of the president's personality. And I mean, he brought in Spalletti, who's also known to be quite tough to work with. And he seems to get on with him brilliantly. He got on well with, with Gattuso, who's a fucking lunatic. So the only one apparently didn't get on all that well with is, was Carlo, which is a strange one, but, I think he's done an exceptionally good job there. Might be a red flag just on personalities there. Yeah, like he gets on <laughs> with lunatics follow, and, and not with the nice guy. Yeah. Now, again, it, it could have been more that it was De Laurentiis who had the issue with Carlo and Giantulli side, sided with his boss rather than the manager. Who knows? But yeah, I mean he, he definitely would be worthy of of a strong a strong look. Um have you got any others? Is that three from you so far? Zork, Mitchell and Giantulli. Dennis Wise. No. <laughs> That's all of
2: mine. Please not. That's all you have.
1: Did you not say you had four? I did. I struck one from the record books. Oh, okay. Um well I've got one other. Now I've got one other that I don't think is gettable, which is Luis Campos at PSG. Uh, he's currently the strategic advisor. Yeah, he's the one it's pointless. He's not going anywhere. He's, yeah, he's, he's he's also the strategic advisor for Celta Vigo. And up until the summer, was the strategic advisor for Galatasaray. So for me, it seems more like he is, he's almost outsourcing his ability through his company and he's more of a paid contractor than anything else right now. But it is worth mentioning, did an unbelievable job at Monaco and an unbelievable job at Lille uh, in building two of the two of the best teams we've seen in recent years. They obviously got sold out from underneath them, but it is what it is. My last one is a little... This, this guy hasn't been mentioned, and I think he is... I think he's brilliant. I think he's one of the best scouts in Europe, and he's been a technical director now for the last couple of years and I think would be very interested in a move up and that is Florian Maurice, the technical director of 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 Ren. He was head of scouting at Lyon for six years before that, and he was one of the main scouts there for five years before that. And Lyon, for years, were noted for their recruitment and how good they were at talent identification and bringing players in and developing them and selling them on, U- until. Recent years when things started to go pear shaped. You look at Ren and look at how they've recruited over the last couple of years. And I think they've been absolutely outstanding under his watch. Um, started in 2020. He brought in Martin Terrier, who's been brilliant for them. Uh, he brought in Nayef Agard, who I think they spent four million on him and got 30 when they sold him. He brought in Jeremy Doku. Uh, He sold Edouard Mendy to Chelsea at a significant markup for what the player was actually worth. Uh, Followed that up with um, Loic Bade. That one didn't really work, but I still think Bade is going to have a big future. Uh, Suleimane, Lovro Meyer.
3: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or, go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit Libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
1: Baptiste Maria brought him back from Freiburg after a failed spell there. He's been great for them. And then this past summer, he brings in Arthur Tiete, who's been excellent for them. Joe Roden on loan, who's been really, really good. Amin Gouri and Arnaud Calamundo. He's also sold quite well. He got a decent price for Matthias Till with only one year left in his deal. Got a decent price for Camavinga with only one year left in his deal as well. I think he's very, very good at what he does. He's also had to deal with a change of manager. Um, I think he's done really well working with with Bruno Genicio. Um, And I think he's somebody, you know, he he identified him, brought him in. He'd known him from when they were at Lyon together. It was seen as a gamble to bring him in, and I think he's done a very, very good job there at Ren. So, yeah, uh, Florian Maurice would be my last one. Um, Forty-nine years of age, so again, plenty of plenty of time ahead of him. Um, he, he, for me, he would have to be given strong consideration. It's not just the players he signed; it's the others that Leon have or that Wren have tried to get and maybe been financially outmuscled on. I think he's excellent. So, yeah, he would be my last one.
2: In terms of his work with Ren, I'm just going to say all very, very correct. I think the more pertinent thing for me to add is that he, alongside Tom Madera, was my title winning striker uh, in Champman 0102 when I signed him from Marseille. And he was my starting number nine up until Cherno Samba was good enough to take his spot. I think that's enough of a recommendation.
1: That's, I mean, what more do you need? Cherno Samba, what a, what a shout. What a man legend. I, I, I saw an interview that somebody did with him, was it last year or the year before, and he was talking about how he'd been this, like, incredible uh, gem on Championship Manager, and it had sort of made his career go better than it should have because, obviously, it didn't really work out from as a player, but clubs were still, like, people were still excited when he signed for their club because they knew championship manager.
2: He's a lovely guy. Very, very nice guy, Jenner. And um, to be fair, he, he's also said like the Chapman thing obviously followed him around for quite a long time and took a while to get to grips with it as well as the move to Liverpool not actually happening in real life. Um, I think we're in danger of going off on a tangent here. Who would you pick number yeah. one as your Florian Maurice all the way back through to whoever our first one was? Mitchell?
1: I remember. I, I think I would go Freund one. No, I. Do you know what I would go? Yeah, no, I would. I go Freund one. I go Zork two. Mitchell three. Maurice four. And Gentulli five. Purely on the basis that you don't see many Italian sporting directors come to England, and the one who has in recent years is Paratici, who I knew was going to be garbage, but has been garbage. I, I just I think he's. I think if he is going to leave Napoli, I think he probably leaves Napoli for Juve, but I I kind of feel like he should stay there and see this through because Napoli are. They're on the verge of really being something special. I mean, they're unbelievable this season. And if they could if they could have another summer that was even half as good as last summer, they could be a real contender to win the Champions League next year if they can keep Kim, Labaka, they've just re-signed, Osiman and Kavica. If they could get a couple more players to really pop for them, I think they could win the Champions League next year. Next year. So I would say him fifth largely because I want him to stay where he is. Um, But any of Maurice, Mitchell, Zork or Freund, I would be thrilled with. But yeah, Freund would be my first choice.
2: I think that's fair. I think if there is someone we we particularly want and is not available for a couple of years, I think Zork probably sits at the top of my list to to try and bridge that gap. And potentially, obviously depending on how that lasts, it might actually bridge the gap to the end of Jurgen Klopp's tenure at Liverpool as well. Um, in terms of how long left on the contracts and
1: all the rest of it. I also think you could bring in Zork and one of the others. Because it's not just the Julian Ward role that needs filling. But Mike Gordon's neat role needs filling as well. And could we appoint Michael Zork as like, let's say, a president of football operations type of role. Where he oversees the football side. And then someone like a Freund or a Mitchell or a Maurice as your sporting director who has the sort of the mandate more on recruitment and Zork sort of oversees the rest. So you have him running the football side and Billy Hogan kind of runs the business side. I think that that's definitely something that we could be looking to uh to explore as well
2: I think it's important that uh obviously given the uncertainty let's say over ownership partial ownership and all the other possibilities in between you have to have someone who's gonna at least be able to be in place for a couple of years this time minimum
1: mm. agreed agreed I- I've talked myself into it I'm going is Zork to replace Gordon and any of the other three. Uh, in order of preference, Freund, Mitchell, Maurice, to replace Julian Ward. And I I think we could be very well, very well set up. And I think we'd also become a lot more appealing to potential buyers as well, because you don't need to come in and do anything. Your structure's in place. All you need to do is write a few checks and everybody else will take care of it. Um, And we are... We are stronger by committee at Liverpool. Like it, it has been a collective achievement, a collective brain trust that's gotten us where we are. So, I mean, you mentioned as well, like the opportunity to, to look in other, other, uh, industries and, and maybe other sports or other areas. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely big scope here for Liverpool, but, um, I do think it needs, it needs to be something that, we hire the very best person we can get. Not just we interview a few people, one of them is good, the others are bad, and we go, okay, we'll take him. If you haven't exhausted all avenues, you're not ready to appoint somebody.
2: Well, i give you one more, and we just have like two or three minutes, not not a big long one, because I know certain people in the chat are going to start laughing at us if we go past any more minutes, but I think there's one at least worth talking about, but this is more based on what they've sold than signed.
1: More on
2: who they've sold and signed.
1: Hugo Viana. Oh, I do like Hugo Viana. Hugo Viana is the sporting director of Sporting Club de Portugal. He is very, very good at what he does, and he's also been very good at who he's signed as well. He, he huh. brought in Ugarte, he brought in Nunes, he brought in um, Pedro Poro, Mate Fidel, jean Mario. Also very, very good at manager identification as well, yeah. because it was him that took a big, big gamble, like a big, big gamble in bringing in Ruben Amarum, when many clubs would not have considered doing such a thing. He, he, did, um, he did
2: also sign Yannick Bellassi and pay real live money for Rafa Camacho, but...
1: You know, yeah, we all have days. our misses. We all have our misses. Um. Yeah, Hugo Fian. I think that that's. I'm a little bit disappointed myself, actually, that I overlooked him.
2: I, th- I do think it's because it's that that league as much as that job. But I guess with Liverpool doing so much business there, it, it makes sense that we at least have an awareness of how good those people are over there. Uh, Braga, well, basically the top four. Probably you wouldn't go beyond. That, yeah. But, yeah. No, you wouldn't
1: be looking at and anyone from you know Boa Vista or anything. But yeah, certainly Braga Sporting Porto and Ad Benfica. The other thing with Hugo Viana as well is that it might set up your your Klopp replacement as well because he's got such a strong relationship with um with Amram that you know they they maybe could come to the club one after the other as a bit of a pair. Um I'd be very much in favour of that. I really would be in favour of that. Viana's very, very good at what he does. And that's a difficult club to work at as well. Remember, he had to... Because of what happened with the... um Remember the fans broke into the training ground and assaulted a couple of players? Absolutely. He, he, he had to deal with the fallout of all of that, which included Rafael Liao and... Rui Patricio and somebody else all basically saying our contracts are null and void, we're going elsewhere and he had to deal with the fallout of all of that and replacing those players with no money to spend. Uh, He's also the guy who was it him? No, Bruno was there before he took over wasn't he? Yeah, Bruno signed the year before he took over so I was going to give him credit for something that he didn't do. Um, yeah, and he sold him at a good time. He definitely and he sold him at a good price as well. Yeah, like you said, he he has sold players at very very good prices. I mean, he got what he got sixty five million for Nuno Mendes. I know he's super talented, but he's nineteen year old left back. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a really good shout. That's a really good shout. I'd I'd be putting him right up along with the others as strong contenders for this job. And he, he's also like he has lived in England before. He knows what it's like in England. He, he knows what the weather is like, and he lives in Newcastle. He practically lives in Iceland. So you know, Liverpool shouldn't be too much of a shock to the system for him, right? Well, we can leave it there at that. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we go? Nope. There we go. Then nothing to plug. We are at we're 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 at less than fifty minutes. So anyone laughing can shut up now. We've done fairly well for us. And uh, hopefully this answers the question for uh, YNWA Foodie. And obviously, uh, Pime underscore Taradox was also asking with Paul Mitchell, who we we chatted about at length. So there we go. Thank you always for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at AnfieldIndex and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go,